This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey everybody, Chris Demakes here. It's hard to believe, but Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Do you want to get ahead of the curve and get your significant other a unique and memorable gift? Well, I'd love to write you a short custom song and play it in a personalized video greeting. You supply the details about the person you love and I'll do the rest. For example, if your name is Boris and your girlfriend's name is Gertrude and Gertrude really likes cats and playing the drums, I could write you something like this. Gertrude, you are the cat's meow And Boris tried so hard, but he can't tell you how He's felt about you since day one from the start You are the steady beat within his kick from heart Yeah, he will always be there Your love is tighter than a snare You are the steady beat within his kick from heart Yeah, Boris hopes you know that he never wants to be apart It doesn't just have to be for a love interest either. You can send a custom song Valentine greeting to a friend, to your parents, to your coworkers, or hell, even to yourself. Email me at kristamakes at gmail.com if you're interested. Video greeting reservations are limited, so time is of the essence. Why do all the monsters come out at night? Why do we sleep when we want to hide? Why do I run back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? Hey gang. Today's guest is my old friend, Alex Gasgarth, lead vocalist and rhythm guitarist for All Time Low. We break down their 2020 mega smash hit Monsters off of their eighth full-length album, Wake Up Sunshine. Alex mentioned that the lyrics for the song's chorus came to him rather quickly after All Time Low's lead guitarist, Jack, played him the melody as a standalone guitar riff. The song reached number one on the Billboard Alternative Airplay chart and remained there for 17 weeks, as well as being their highest peak ever at Pop Radio. I mentioned that this is no small feat for a band closing in on 20 years to be more popular than ever before. We talk about what Black Bear brought to the track from both a writing and performing standpoint and how Demi Lovato gave this song even another set of legs by singing on a re-released version in December 2020 that is still roaring up the pop charts. For all this and much more, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. There's so much to talk about here today. Um, I just want to say, from bottom of my heart, I'm so proud of you and your band. And I mean that you guys deserve every bit of success that you have. What a career so far and how you guys keep getting more popular. (laughs) (laughs) Man, dude, that means the absolute world because, you know, I'm sure you remember, but like when we were just starting out as a band, uh, one of our first real tours that we ever got to do was to come on the, the Vans Warped Tour. And you guys were all over that thing. We've spent many summers touring on the Warped Tour together since, but uh, you guys were like one of the first bands that I considered to be a veteran band uh, on the Warp Tour that kind of like took us under your wing and like showed us how to do it and how to how to belong and how to fit into that touring space and you know not get in the way but also like succeed on that tour so like I have nothing but like so much love and respect for you and you guys as a band because you you really like open the door for us early on, you know, so thank you. It means a lot coming from you to hear it, man. Like, well, thank, thank you. And, uh, absolutely mean it. You know, you guys, 
have been around now for darn near, I guess it's going on 18 years. You started in 2003 yeah, uh, in, in, in Towson, Maryland, of all places. Yep, um, yep. <laughs> and you're up to eight albums now since 2005. Uh, you were with Hopeless, uh, of course, hopped to Interscope at some point, went back to Hopeless, and now you've made a home for yourselves at Fueled by Ramen for the last two records. Yep. It's been uh, it's been a crazy journey, you know, like I, as I'm sure you're familiar being in the industry for as long as you've been in it as well. Like, you know, this, it's just always ebbing and flowing and you got to find the ways to kind of ride the tides. And uh, it's an ever changing landscape. And we've been really, really, you know, fortunate to kind of weather the storms that we've been through as a band. But to also just be flexible and move with the times. And yeah, it's been it's been incredibly like rewarding and and we've learned a lot uh coming up in it you know we started out we were just out of high school so it's been it's been this entire like crazy process of of literally growing up in the industry you know we we have come a long way and we've come very far and so yeah i mean 17 years in it's uh it's pretty incredible to still be doing it i feel very very lucky and I can't believe your band is is that old. And I don't say that being, <laughs> no, for being real, weird. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's weird because you guys are. And I've said this before to other. Uh, I had Cyrus and Newfound Glory on here. I mean, you guys are always going to be kids to me. You know, you were. Dude, ah, that's the totally. kids in all time low. They're going to come on the bus and party with us tonight. You know, and totally always had a had a ball hanging out with you guys. You know that, but. There's not many bands that have done what you guys have done. You know, you came from the pop punk world. That music is still popular, but man, it had its thing. Late 90s to the mid 2000s. It was just this explosion. And, you know, one of the first bands, uh, which... Uh, is interesting. You play in a side project with Mark Hoppus, uh, Simple Creatures. Yep. Uh, and I re- recently had Mark on the show. And, you know, Blink's 2003 album, they really took a turn. They brought in some electronic elements. They really, I think, realized as a band, look, if we stay in this world, there's going to be diminishing returns. Uh, I, I think Fall Out Boy's done a fantastic job yep. bridging that gap, becoming this this thing and then taking it into the pop world. And now you guys are doing that. And it's remarkable because not many bands can do that, still retain their fan base, still continue to push and move on. You know, uh, my band, Less Than Jake's been... uh been very uh, afraid of that over the years to to lose our fan base to to, sure. to, to try to jump left of center and uh, you know I think we've we've straddled that line and, and, and tried to for lack of a better word I don't want to say keep it safe but you know we kind of knew where where our uh, uh, destiny was and and you guys just seem like seem like you keep pushing and that's that's admirable and that's scary I think you know to, it is to, to, it is <laughs> to go we have this thing we have these fans what if we lose them is this is this a calculated risk we want to take dude it's it's exactly that i mean you kind of you find your space and you find your niche and then you you get you build this family of fans and this core fan base you know that was always something that was really preached to us early on and it was it was lewis posen from hopeless records that that really instilled in us this sense of like your core fan base is the most important thing you will ever have as an artist and as a band. And when you start to get that and when that comes together for you, if it comes together, there's many artists and many bands who who don't even get that far. And so when we got when we were sort of in that phase of having this core fan base start to culminate around the band, it was like it does become really terrifying at that point. Every time you go into the next creative space space the next creative process to make another album it's like how far can we push this how far can we go to try and scratch these new creative itches that we have as an artist and as a developing act without alienating this fan base that has come to sort of expect something from us that they've latched onto that they feel a sense of belonging to and and it's like how how far 
outside of that comfort zone are you willing to go to push the envelope, A, creatively as an artist to where you feel satisfied and like you're making something that you want to make, but B, to try and transcend, to try and to try and elevate the course that you're on and, and to see if you can push the boundaries of what your music's capable of doing and who you're capable of reaching. And, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of seen both sides of it, you know, like we've made, you mentioned the, the stint we had on Interscope Records and we, we took some different chances on that record. And it's like, it's a really interesting thing to look back on for us because we kind of, we look at that record and we had so much fun and so much success on that record in a lot of ways. And it was some of our best touring years. And, but at the same time, the way that record is perceived by some of our fans and in our fan base is like that, that record was almost a bit of a flop. And it's like, I don't necessarily look at it like that, but because of the singles we chose to push and because of like the campaigns around it and things like that, it sort of shaped this different this different narrative that we were trying to go off our beaten path and do something different at that time that had some had some negative side effects on our band you know like we we then had to sort of after that record cycle we we came back and signed to hopeless records and it was almost like a course correction it was like okay we learned from that what worked what didn't and then we sort of had to like right the ship a little bit and get us back on the path of like again catering to the core fan base and making sure that part of our our audience felt accounted for and spoken to and and served. And so, yeah, it's just this thing where you're, you're always navigating feeling creatively satisfied, but also not alienating the, the people that are, I mean, quite literally keeping you afloat, you know? And it's, it's this interesting challenge of like, if you want to be a, an artist or a band that stands the test of time, there's a little bit of both. And, you know, I think a lot of artists kind of get caught up on that struggle of like, well, do I just scratch my creative itch and, and say, fuck what the people expect, fuck what the audience expects, this is my creative outlet, I'm gonna do exactly what I want at the risk of maybe nobody giving a shit about it. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. And it's like you're constantly just wrestling <laughs> with that. So yeah, it's been it's been an interesting one to navigate for sure. Well, you guys are, are, are pushing the boundaries and uh, if, if anyone's writing the blueprint on how to uh, do that, you guys are doing it right now. And again, Thanks, I'm, man. I'm, stoked for, I'm stoked for you. Uh, I'm also... Uh, not stoked on the fact that I can't get this song out of my head. It's like an earworm. <laughs> yes. I'm not kidding, man. This chorus, it's like, it's. I get up to piss at three in the morning and uh, yeah, we do that when we get older. Um, <laughs> and, and the damn chorus is going through my head and then I get up, I'm playing with my kids this morning. It's going through my head and I went to the gym this morning. It's going yes. through my head, um, which is a uh, testament to a catchy, catchy song. This is a amazingly crafted uh, pop gem, lots of people, and this fascinates me, and I want to talk to you about this. I haven't talked to anybody uh, on the show about this yet, and we'll get to it. Just, you know, how many different people uh, had a hand in producing and writing mm-hmm. this song? Mm-hmm. I know how hard it is with just when I'm writing a song with one of the guys in my band or two of the guys. Hey, man, be, you know, it'd be two in the morning. Hey, what about that bridge part? Like, <laughs> yeah, with, dude, 100%. With, with the amount of people you guys had in this project, did that, that ever seem daunting? Did it ever get like that? Or You know what? It actually... It kind of ended up being the opposite. I I have uh, I never shied away from co-writing. Um, it was something that was kind of not I don't want to say pushed on me, but but encouraged early on in my in my writing years. Like when we when we had written our first album and we worked on that exclusively with Matt Squire. During that process, I was sort of encouraged to go and and I took a trip up to New York and and for the first time did a quote unquote co-write with with uh, Sam and Dave, who at the time were like big crush yeah. writers and and I mean they're still doing great things and still writing to this day and and having great success. But like that was my first experience 
co-writing. And like at the time, I remember, you know, coming from this world of like pop punk and punk rock and, and you know, it was almost faux pas. It was like frowned upon to, to go there and to, to have mm-hmm. someone else influence your writing. And at the time, I remember being very like indignant about it and being like, I don't need this. I don't want to do this. Like my writing is, is me authentically and I doing this is going to tarnish you know, that credibility. And, you know, what ended up happening is I ended up realizing that I didn't know shit about songwriting <laughs> and I really didn't know what I was doing. And and so it was actually very helpful and really valuable early on for me to get into these writing sessions because every single one I did, I came away from it sort of like pulling a few little tidbits from these writers. And so I, I dove more and more into that. And over the years, I, I kind of learned like there are people I love working with. There are people I don't gel as well with. And there's, there's certain writing styles that I gel with and certain writing styles I don't gel with. And, you know, you just kind of learn who you like working with. And so what was really nice about Wake Up Sunshine is that we all time low at this point, the four of us, we know how to make a record. We know how to make all time low songs. We know how to do us fairly well. We have that dialed in. You know, we've spent a lot of time. It's our eighth album. What we also learned was like the the core people that we love having around us that we feel like pulls the best out of us. And so when you look at the credits of, of Monsters, you know, you, you have Zach Cervini working on it. You have Andrew Goldstein. You have Kevin Fisher, uh, as well as us in the band. And so... Um, What's really incredible about it is like those dudes, Andrew is someone that is, he's a Northern Virginia guy. He played in a band called Aberdeen for a while and then the Friday Night Boys, which were, they mm-hmm. were signed to Feel by Ramen. Yep. And it, it, he's a dude that I have known for literally since all time I was playing VFW halls with his band Aberdeen, you know, like trading shows on the weekends. Uh, so I've known that dude for a long time and it's incredible to see how far he's come as a songwriter. And then Kevin is a guy who we met a little bit later on. Jack's actually in a side project with him called Who Hurt You? So they've done a lot of writing together. And um, I worked with him on a few songs from our last record, Last Young Renegade. And just loved his style. We we gelled really well, and so yeah, that's kind of the team that came together on on this this song in particular. We we rented a house in Palm Desert, and we were all living under one roof. The whole band was there, and then it, periodically throughout the process, like Servini was kind of at the helm producing the entire project, and then we would sort of have our friends come up and and stay for a few nights and we'd work on a song or two songs or or whatever and um yeah monsters was born of a little bit of that magic like andrew came up kevin was there i was working i was actually sitting in the living room so we had one like the main station was in this big living room and then when andrew got there he sort of put like this b-rig set up in the closet of my bedroom and uh so i was out sitting on the couch working on something with zach and um, it was Andrew and Kevin and Jack were actually in that, in that closet sort of like working on the beginnings of the track for Monsters. And, and uh, you know, I think Andrew and, and Jack sort of wrote that, that guitar riff, the that thing that is very, very hooky and very like comes back around a hundred times over in the song. And I remember taking a break and walking in there just to kind of see what they were working on. And they had the beginnings of the, the guitar loop and the beat. And I just remember, like, they were like, we don't have any ideas for melodies. What do you think? And I was like, you know, that fresh perspective just coming in on a, on a, you know, not fatigued ear. And I remember just hearing that guitar loop and being like, that's, what do you mean, where's the melody? Like, that's the melody. That's the hook right there. Like, why do all the monsters come out at, like, how is that not the hook? And so we, I started writing the lyrics to it. It was one of those weird, like, lightning in a bottle moments where you kind of just know, oh, shit, something cool's happening here. And uh, I started spitting, like, kind of just riffing on some lyrics and, and the why did why do all the monsters come out at night thing sort of just 
fell into our laps. And so um, was the was the at this point was the rest of the record written? It sounds like you wrote this track in the studio, or were you yeah. kind of writing while you were there still? A bit of both. So we we basically to break it down like. January of 2019, we went to Nashville. We had no plans to make a record, but we went to Ryan's studio in Nashville and just started writing some songs. Um, we wrote Some Kind of Disaster there. We wrote Clumsy there, a, f a few other like kind of staple songs from the album. And we walked away from it and we took some space. And then when we got back together in Palm Desert in the summer, that's when it started to feel like we had the pieces of an album coming together. You know that I'm sure you know that moment when like it just starts oh, yeah. to click and you're like, okay, there's a through line here. There's some songs that sort of live in the same world. And uh, yeah, we just we just realized that we had a record. And so we wrote basically the second half of the album there in that house while recording the album. It, so the, the record was done very DIY. We didn't record much of it in a studio. I think the only thing that we really did in a proper studio were drums because you kind of have to. But outside of that, like it was all the most of the vocals you hear on that record are it, it's me sitting on a couch, li literally singing into the mic that you're using for the podcast and SM7. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like it was it was done very DIY and just very spur of the moment, which is I think actually looking back, like we got a lot of magic on the album because it was being written in the moment. Like I'd be sitting there with a guitar that was di'd in we used a kemper for a lot of the guitar tones which sound amazing these days um oh, yeah. and like you know servini has his own guitar amp package on kemper so he's like he's got those sounds dialed in and uh it was nice because there was this very raw like you would write something i would hear a riff in my head i would lay it in and that's what you heard you heard on the record it wasn't this thing of like going back to the studio and playing it 20 times through different amps and like it's almost like sometimes i feel that part of the process gets a little bit stale and so by mm -hmm. the time you find the take that ends up on the record it's like you've practiced it so many times that there's just no <laughs> there's no emotion to it whatsoever right it's just so like it's, uh, here we go again yeah exactly and so i almost feel like we got a little bit of magic just in the like in the messiness of the recording process and the spontaneity to, spontaneity of it all but yeah back to monsters it was done it was probably written like the sixth night in the house We'd been working on okay. a bunch of other music, and yeah, it was well, just it the, came out of nowhere. Well, the track is, it was the fourth single from the album. Uh, it's you guys' first number one on the Billboard Alternative Charts. Typically, the fourth single used to not be the track that was going to do it for you. The, these days, you kind of you kind of lead up to, to, to the bigger <laughs> right. single. Did you guys know, did you guys know right away when, when, when this track was done that this could be something? We all felt really good about it that night that we wrote it. We, we kind of when you know you know and like there was something really special about how the song came together how quickly the song came together and was realized and um there was some magic in that we started it with andrew and andrew had the track in logic and then we kind of like wrote the song and lit like literally put it on a usb stick and like went in the other room and handed it to servini and like loaded it into his session and then we like started building it out from there and i just remember that night like hearing the transformation from like the demo version of this song that we wrote in the closet to then building it out and building it out and like zach sitting down and playing bass on it and then us putting some guitars on it and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and as we went we were all just like oh man there's something really really special about this song and uh another kind of serendipitous awesome moment that happened was Andrew was sitting there and as we're working on the song he's like he had been working with Black Bear on Bear's album you know they had the song Hot Girl Bummer was absolutely crushing at pop radio and there was just this really cool moment where Andrew went like you guys know Bear right and we were like yeah we've like hung together before like not a lot but we know him and he's like I'm gonna send this to Bear and I'm gonna see if he wants to jump on it 
And we were like, well, okay. Well, I was going to ask how that came about. So that was fairly early on. It wasn't yeah. like you had the you had the whole song done. You're like, it was an afterthought of, you know what? We should get you know Black Bear to rap on this. Yeah, no, totally. It was like it was in the moment. The night we were writing the song, Andrew just spoke up and was like, he'd be sick on this. And I had a second verse. Like, there's a there's an alternate version of the song floating around somewhere out there because I think a couple radio stations played it accidentally. Uh, that has a <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, yeah, has a has a second verse with me singing a completely different part. But um, yeah, we we sent it to him and he was he was down. He was just like, it was one of those really great moments where he, he said, why not? And we said, why not? And the part he wrote for it just elevated the song and, uh, again, made it feel really unique and like nothing that was on radio right now or, or anything like that. It just made it, it sort of suddenly fit this space of like all time lows, never done anything like this before, which 16 years into a career is hard to find those. And like, Bear wasn't on anything like that at the time. And, and there was just this sort of like perfect moment as well, where like in music in general, it start, there was this sort of amalgamation of, of kind of alternative and rock and, and hip hop and um, trap and all these worlds kind of starting to collide from different artists. And, and yeah, when we I've, heard I've always said though, that cross pollination, you start mm-hmm. working with, uh, you know, he has a little different of a fan base than you have. Yep. Then Demi Lovato, which we're going to get into in a moment. I want to talk about her involvement in this. And it's just, you know, now you have his listeners checking you guys out and vice versa. Yes. Uh, you know, the, that, that collaboration and doing that, I, I've never looked at that as a bad thing. I think it could only help uh, bands if it if it's done right and it works, if it works. <laughs> no, totally. Uh, and that's always the big if. But it's like in, right, in, in right. the cases when it works, it's so perfect. And I think now more than ever, there's so much opportunity for collaboration in music because I think at a time for a time there was like, the genre lines were very defined and it was almost like if you listen to punk you're not allowed to listen to this and if you listen to hip hop you're not allowed to listen to rock or whatever and you know what I mean like you got called a poser if you listen to more than one genre which is so and insane te- technology makes it easy to collaborate exactly you, know? you, exactly. Could, you could be you could be anywhere in the world and here man check out my track and two minutes later you, you, you have it on your computer um, yeah. I, I want to get into breaking down the song now it's sure. again I, I said it before man this is a pop gem uh, two minutes Thank and 54 you. two minutes and 54 seconds right in that uh radio wheelhouse three minute song and and you guys just come out swinging with this it just comes it starts with the chorus you don't even fuck around it's like boom we're in (laughs) and uh (laughs) the the lyrics here uh why do all the monsters come out at night why do we sleep where we want to hide why do i run back to you like i don't mind if you fuck up my life and uh fuck up is a two-syllable word on the clean version you say ruin 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 Ruin. yeah So I noticed that from your uh, performance on Good Morning America. (laughs) I have I have friends that are on Good Morning America. That's cool. Um, Which uh, which you guys were you guys were funny on there. I thought thought that was a cool. Dude, the weirdest the weirdest TV edit I've ever had to do was we got the feedback uh, for them from them (laughs) about the performance, and I had to change. It was, I was like, obviously, okay, they're not going to let me say fuck, but... Um, and hung instead of strung. Yeah, they, they I caught not, it. I caught they, it. They did not like strung out like laundry because, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. So I'm I assuming did. because, you know, strung out's a, a derogatory term for someone that's a drug addict maybe or, uh, but so you said hung out like laundry. We'll get to that, mm-hmm. we'll get to that line in a minute, but I <laughs> yeah. knew, I knew exactly what you're talking about. I've, d- yeah. I've done my homework, I've done my homework here. This, this chorus, is, is that something lyrically that you, you came up with? Yeah. So that was the first part we wrote for the song and, and starting the song with it was was born of uh my initial reaction to walking in on the guitar riff that it was they had the track going and that was the riff that was uh the inspiration right off the top of the song and i was like well that's that's the chorus melody right there or some 
you know, slightly altered version of it. And and so, yeah, it just felt like the riff without the vocal hit you in the face when you heard it first. It just felt really signature and really iconic in the moment. So it was a very natural thing to say, okay, well, that that's how the song starts. It just grabs you. It grabs your attention. I really like that line, man. Why do the mon- all the monsters come out at night? Why do we sleep where we want to hide? That's cool. Thanks, um, man. We, we get into the first verse. Uh, another day, another headache in this hangover hotel. Uh, getting used to the rhythm. Yeah, I know this beat too well. And then I guess this could be a continuation of the verse. I almost feel like the next part's your pre-chorus leading up to the chorus because Tunnel that vision. really... Yeah, that really cool guitar part comes off pan to the left speaker. It's kind of like this chorusy effect guitar. really great ear candy uh and the lyric is uh, tunnel visions got me feeling like you're the only one i see but i know what's missing when i'm swimming in my lonely luxury um again a lot of writers in this song lots of ideas bouncing around mm-hmm. um this part in particular do you did you write this or was this, this part a collaboration Lyrically. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll say this when it comes to all time low, because I'm the one singing it a lot of the time. I even in co-writes, I tend to need to be very, very hands on with the lyric. Uh, so most of the time I am generally the heaviest hand in the lyric writing. It's funny. So why do the monsters come out at night? All of that. This whole song kind of was born of like essentially many nights or days where I, I was like, wrestling internally with this idea of of getting into unhealthy rhythms, unhealthy habits, like these bad cycles that you can fall into when you're in a dark headspace of like, all right, well, I'll go out tonight and I'll drink a bunch and that'll make me feel better and I won't have to think about the things that are stressing me out. And then what you end up realizing is it actually emphasizes the next morning when you wake up and you're like, holy (laughs) shit, what am I doing? Like, I'm not running from anything. I'm making everything worse. And so it was this like, it was recognizing unhealthy patterns in myself. And then that got me on this this thought process of, of just in general, the idea of, it's two things. It's, you know, nothing good happens after midnight kind of thing, but also, <laughs> um, but also sort of this idea of like, you know, addiction is a hell of a thing and a lot of people struggle with it and a lot of people deal with both sides of it and sort of trying to almost trying to justify your behavior and say, no, I'm not like, I'm not an addict. I'm fine. Like I can, you know, I'm, I'm good. This isn't, I'm not as bad as that person is or whatever. And it's like those unhealthy thought processes or negative thought processes that end up taking you down a dark path. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia 
With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. And um, for me, it was just a personal analysis and a way to kind of reflect on my own occasionally shitty behavior and things I didn't like in myself that I wanted to sort of repair or pay more attention to. Uh, so this song was a way for me lyrically to kind of get that out onto paper and express that for myself. Well, well thank, thank you for sharing that and yeah, for man. being that transparent and open and honest because I have to write from the heart. It sounds yeah. like what you're writing from. There are songwriters that can pen a story. It's just sure. a story sure. about the monsters and about the addiction, but they don't feel that. Right. <laughs> I typically have to feel it if I'm going to sing it. Or I'm going to have to live it. And it and uh, it, it sounds like you lived that. And I think, of course, being a touring musician all these all these years, like I can definitely definitely relate to what to what you just said. Um, For sure, man. It's a, it's a it's a glamorous life we lead, and it's very lonely sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's a real it's a real thing. And so anyway, like to to get back to your question, which was about, you know, who else was writing these lyrics. It was funny. One of the, when we got to the verses, one of the first things that came up was Jack had a little, so his, like the way he writes is he'll write down like little phrases in his phone. And then like, he'll sort of like shoot me an idea and I'll kind of like extrapolate that. And so because we were working on this song together, like everything I just said, that was sort of how I looked at this song and how I approached it. But then Jack actually had the, the, he had hangover hotel in his, in his phone. And it was like a song title kind of thing. I was like, that's great. Cool, Eric. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's, there's so much to build off of that. And like, to me hearing hangover hotel, that's where I went. I was like, Oh dude, those fucking awful mornings when you wake up and you're just like your head's pounding <laughs> and you're like, why did I go out last night? I, we have a show tonight. What am I doing? What was I thinking? And it's like, it's almost like that becomes that, that, how you said that lonely rhythm, you get into this space of it's like, you recognize like, okay, I've done this like three nights in a row now. This kind of sucks. <laughs> like I should stop. I should stop doing this. I should get, I should get this under control. And so like, that was, that was sort of the approach was this, this, like this realizing that you're going down this unhealthy rhythm or, or you're in this unhealthy rhythm. And I, I thought hangover hotel was this really cool, iconic way to test or a very memorable way to sort of sum that idea up. You just stuck in this building. Right. Yeah, no. And I had again asked about the lyrics just because again, with as many people that were involved, like I said, if I'm writing with one guy in my band or two, I know how crazy it can get. You get like I yeah. said, you get the text that, Hey, what about this line? It's 10 at night. Like then <laughs> an hour later, what about this line? You know? So I could imagine that that was going on with, with this track, especially how special all you guys felt the song was. Um, we get into the chorus. Now we're only 41 seconds into the song. Boom. You're back. You're back into the into the hook uh but but it's a double chorus now it's only a teaser at the top you don't know that uh till you till you get here i'm wondering why do all the monsters come out at night why do we sleep or we want to hide why do i run back to you like i don't mind if you fuck up my life second half uh and this is where it kind of gets that staccato jaint jaint the beat kind of changes here yep. okay and it's kind of just driving Come back to you like I don't mind. 
Why am I a sucker for all your lies? Uh, strung out like laundry on every line. Unless you're on uh, Good Morning America and it's hung out <laughs> exactly. like laundry, which which works too. I actually like that lyric. Um, yeah. Why do I come back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? Man, it's just by that point you're 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 in, man. You're you're hooked. That's that that is what we we call a hook. We call a chorus. It's uh, it's great. Was it always the idea from the beginning to to keep this chorus doubled? Yeah, we actually we wrote it out in the full. We wrote it out in full and then and scaled it back for the intro because it just felt like giving too much yeah. too soon, you know. But um, that it's funny you mentioned that staccato where it kind of everything breaks yeah. down. It, it was funny because we argued that part's over, killer. That was the biggest argument in the song because we like that's such a last chorus, quote unquote, move. Like like don't like save that for the last moment. <laughs> and we were like we went back and forth on that so many times and it ended up just being that decision of like, no, it's so damn hooky that if we don't do that in every chorus, we're going to blow this song. So yeah, it was like, it was a big back and forth, but we landed on doing it every time. And it, I it's think it's funny. You said so crazy. You say that when I first heard it and you know what? I didn't think I had heard this song. I I've heard this song in, in, in passing like at the grocery <laughs> store and stuff. I just didn't know. I didn't know it was you guys. This is a different sound for you. It is for sure. And, uh, but I had heard the track, but when I really got into it and started analyzing it, I thought, you know that almost sounds like they should have saved that for the end of the song, but <laughs> yeah, but totally. damn, it's 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 too good. It's too good. Um, <laughs> the other thing I love about this song, and and I and I'm always cautious to say this to my guests, and I don't mean it in any way ba- bad. Uh, this this arrangement's pretty simple. It's just all the layers and everything that you have going on that just makes this all the ear candy. There's no fat at all on this song. Yep. After the first chorus ends, you're immediately into verse two, and here's where Black Bear comes in, and the feel of it changes. I mean, he's, 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 his delivery is obviously different than yours. It's a different voice. Mm -hmm. It's not the same melody and it's really cool, but it still feels like a verse. It still feels like it belongs there. Not like, Oh, this part was just thrown in there and it, and it seems odd. It it completely works. I'm addicted to the way you hurt, the way you contradict me. I swear everything looks worse at night. I think I'm overthinking. I don't care who I might hurt along the way. I'm fucking sinking into every word. I don't care if you're lying when I'm drinking. And then what I'm going to call the pre-chorus part two, that guitar comes back in pan to the left, but it's a different rhythm this time. Whose idea was that? That's cool. So, you mentioned the second verse thing, and I heard I, my friend Casey, who's a great writer, uh, she said recently, and I, this really stuck with me, but it's like once you get to the second verse, it's the Wild West. So you can, like in songwriting these days, it's like you can almost, it used to be, you know, verses should stay pretty consistent and the, the melodies shouldn't change all that much because you want the familiarity. And But I think with like how, or almost like trained our minds are to want new, 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 new now these days, it's almost like second verse is your opportunity to like hit people with something out of left field and, and re-catch their attention. It's like if you lose them at the second verse, you're screwed but if you if you bring something completely new it's almost like it re-engages the listener after after the first hook and so i that really stuck with me like i kind of loved that when she said you know second verse wild west just do whatever you know sure enough like when we sent this to bear bear wrote this part so we didn't know what he was going to do and he he went off and uh you know i was so i was so 
stoked when I heard what he did because he clearly understood what the song was about and the message of the song and and uh, I think he sort of like related it to his own uh, his own life and his own experiences and came back with what he came back with and it was just like man like this everything so, is clicking so th these were his lyrics mm -hmm. yeah second oh, verse second cool. verse was bear yeah so so wow uh, that, that's really that's really interesting yeah um, he's the just, other credited writer on the song because um, he yeah he came back with verse two interesting from the standpoint because man that that's a it's a chance you guys took uh this part feels like it should be there uh there's yeah. songs that we've heard where it's like okay they threw the rapper in there it's that's their buddy or they, they put right. this part in there and it doesn't really fit right this works and the fact that he wrote the lyrics but it meshes with what you were getting across that's that's really cool the the pre-chorus or what i'm calling the second half of the verse uh so tell me pretty lies look me in the face tell me that you love me even if it's fake you can lead me on and leave these questions in my sheets. I'm under it. I made my bed and I'm still wondering. Interesting delivery here. There's not a lot of rhyming, uh, typical right. two and four or one and three. It, it kind of just kind of tells a story, but com but again, completely works. And the way that he says, uh, you know, that last line, I'm still wondering. And then boom, goes right back into uh, into chorus two, which is the the same as uh, or excuse me goes into chorus three. Uh, if we lead off with the chorus, uh, yeah. chorus three is the same as chorus two. I'm wondering why do all the monsters come out at night? Why do we sleep where we want to hide? Why do I run back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? Why am I a sucker for all your lies strung out like laundry on every line? Why do I come back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? And the next part is really cool because. I'm going to call this the bridge, but it's still kind of the chorus, but it's broke down. Yeah. The melody. It's the same progression. It's the same, same it's progression. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the, and the melody still biting some of the uh, uh, melodies from the chorus. Yeah. It's the B, it's the B section. That I don't mind if you don't. Nah, nah, nah. It's like it continues to harp on that on the, the second half of each part. Thinking about you, you're in my head. Even without you, I still feel dead. Why do I run back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? Dead. Thinking about you, you're in my head. Even without you, I still feel dead. Why do I run back to you like I don't mind if you fuck up my life? And a lot of times in songwriting, you don't want to do that. You want to have that departure in a bridge. You want to give away so yep. that when you come back to it, it just socks people right in the nose. And in this instance, it just works. It just keeps pummeling you, keeps pummeling you. Was there any discussion of taking the bridge somewhere and, and not having the, the theme of the chorus here? Because that, again, like I said, that could be dangerous to, to do that in, in a sense. Totally. Uh, you know, I again, a lot of the credit here goes to, in the back half of the song, goes to um, Bear because he we, we had left the bridge mostly empty, but we had this idea to do something that was like a broken down version of the chorus with some alt lyrics or something and so again when he sent his parts back he had come up with that dead thinking about you you're in my head even without you i still feel dead and then like the the repetition of the i don't mind if you fuck up my life was there and so it was again it was this perfect coming together of minds and people that really understood what was going on in the song and what the song needed and like you said you know sometimes that move can become too repetitive or you hear you almost get hook fatigue and um i'm i'm such a big advocate for like a big bridge that stands on its own like I love bridges oh, yeah. I always joke that like I'm the bridge guy <laughs> and it's like nobody nobody wants a bridge guy but I'm the bridge guy it's like no we need a guy that can write a chorus it's like well I got your bridge when you need that <laughs> but um I just love them I, lo I love a bridge and uh so yeah like it was it ended up just being 
a really because you don't really get a broken down moment in this song you know even even the intro chorus is even though the guitars are clean it's sung up so the energy of the whole song is pretty much up and it's always driving and it's always hitting you over the head even you know kick drum through the verses all of it and uh yeah, this was the first. This is the first moment in the song that you kind of get a little bit of room to breathe and a little bit of air. And um, I think at that point in the, you know, under less than three minutes of this song, you need it. At that point, you kind of want a minute yeah. for like release. It, yeah, and it and it is just it's just different enough from the chorus with, but it yeah. still retains it. It's just so it, it is a departure. And man, I can't stress enough how much we talk about bridges on, on this podcast. It is a constant theme. Yes. It takes you somewhere else so that when you, you do come back to that hook, it lifts, you know, sure. but the hook here still lifts. I think a lot of that has to do again with the production of this song. Everything, uh, the, the drums are quieter here. The whole production gets quieter. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to read the lyric now, uh, to the bridge. Think about you. You're, you're in my head. Even without you, I still feel dead. Why do I run back to you? Like, I don't mind if you fuck up my life. So the, the again, the hook is there uh, still still with that melody dead thinking about you. You're in my head. Even without you, I still feel dead. Why do I run back to you? Like, I don't mind if you fuck up my life. And then we get into uh, the fourth chorus of the song, really the third chorus. The first chorus, I guess, is an intro, but lots of chorus in this song. Yeah. I mean, it's a main theme and even with the bridge, but it's so catchy. Like I said, I haven't been able to get the track out of my head. It's so catchy that I think that you were able to exploit it in this song and get away with it. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, you hearken back to some of the most simple songs back when rock and roll started. Uh, Louie Louie and Twist and Shout. It was the same chord progression for two minutes. Yeah. But there's a reason why it worked. And this track is, is indicative of that. We get into the, uh, to the last chorus and it's, I'm wondering why do all the monsters come out at night? Line two here. Why do we sleep where we want to hide? You do this little, <laughs> little vocal thing there. Yep. Is is that something that you know? I, I can I can hear the producer now or someone saying, "Hey, try something a little different there, Alex." A little fancy, is, a little fancy. Is, yeah, get 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 a little get a little fancy here with us. <laughs> yeah. um, is that something you maybe did three or four or five of them and you didn't really know they they, they maybe picked they picked right, one and the threw, comp. It, threw it on a, when, on a comp when you get to the comp? Yeah, did um, that happen? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say this. I I think. Every song I love is, how I love how it changes there. Oh, for sure. I was gonna say so. Like every song is different, and I think when you're writing, uh, especially when you're writing like pop leaning music or stuff that's rooted in pop, I, I think when you've been bashed over the head with a chorus or a hook so many times, you have to do things that kind of trick the brain into thinking there's new information, even if the new information is not all that new. Like you're still getting the same lyric. It's still over the same chords. Sometimes maybe you flip the chord progression to make it feel different subconsciously. But the that's other a great, that's a great point. You know that's what I mean? Like point. the other trick is, is, is some ad libs and, and some slightly different melodies. Just, just tweak them a little bit so that like anyone listening for the first time doesn't get completely derailed by what feels like a new part. But also just kind of subliminally goes, oh, that felt fresh. Why did that feel fresh? I don't know, but I'm still in, I'm still liking it. And so like that last chorus opportunity, I think is is a moment where you like to pepper in some of those little tricks and, and uh, just give a little extra ear candy. You know, I think it just I makes it feel new. That's such a great point. What you said, I've never had anybody and I haven't brought it up uh, on, on the show about we're giving them the same thing. It's the right. same lyrics. It's the same chord progression, but damn it. We're just going to do a little of this uh, yeah, with a melody just, and just get uh, fancy with great. the driving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the third line is, why do I run back to you? Like, I don't mind if you fuck up my life. Uh, why am I a sucker for all your lies strung out like laundry on every line? This is another line that I have checked off here. A melody change on that line happened as well. Yeah, it jumps up. Every line. Just yeah, another it, little moment. 
Just and, enough and to keep the energy up. And it's perfect. I think going back to what we were talking about, the bridge, I think this chorus needed it because yeah. you were getting so much of the hook. It had to go somewhere else here. It's subtle, but it's great. Why do I come back to you? Like, I don't mind if you fuck up my life again on, on that line. There's another vocal uh, melody change. Yep. And then right after that, we let it breathe vocally. There's no vocals, but the guitar lead comes in for the first time. It's the only time you hear it, but damn it. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's perfect. Is that Good. the lead initial lead you were talking about that Jack was writing? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And it was it was that thing that led me to the chorus, the melody, all of it. It was that piece is so instrumental, ironically, uh, you know, no pun intended. But like it was so it was so important in the the writing of this song that it was like that that's your big payoff. And the the funny thing about it is it's got it's not lyrical, it's not melody, it's just this this guitar lead. And yeah, we threw it in there because it's again, it's a moment to breathe, but it feels familiar because it's so similar to the melody that you've heard throughout in every hook. It's and just it's so enough. it's so awesome. It only comes in for one measure, and I feel like it could go on for probably probably <laughs> five or six measures because it's the so live catchy. version. The live version, we just jam it out. You should, you yeah. should, because it's it's awesome. It goes through one measure, and then very last line, like I don't mind if you fuck up my, and on life you say life, and it's just the vocal, and it just ends. It's just yeah. this abrupt ending, and it kind of makes the tone of it personal. I don't mind if you fuck up my life. I love it. Um, Thanks, man. I think it's I think it's very cool. This single was released on April fourth, two thousand twenty. The re-release with Demi Lovato was released on December fourth, two thousand twenty. And I remember reading uh, your Instagram post: "Something's happening tomorrow. Something's happening tomorrow." And then and, and this was it. Uh, the animated video is very cool. Um, <laughs> how did how did Demi get involved in this? And, and backing up real quick for the listeners, she comes in on this song uh, on the second half of the uh, second verse, or what I'm calling the pre-chorus. It's when Bear's doing his part. Yep. When I'm drinking so tell me pretty eyes, love me in my face. Tell me that you love me, even if it's fake. She comes in there and then she's pretty much through the rest of the song. How did that collaboration come together? So two things. First of all, I want to give one more little plug to Bear on that on this part where Demi comes in. It's a good time to talk about it. So that part where he's the melody changes and he goes to tell me pretty lies, look me in my face. Right. That section of the song is is another really cool little Easter egg for fans of Black Bear because that's actually a section from his song I Don't Give a Fuck. Tell me pretty lies, look me in the face, tell me that you love me, even if it's fake, cause I don't fucking care at all. So he he actually pulled from one of his other songs and like repurposed the line and the lyric and the melody <laughs> no for this song because it just fit the vibe. And it was like when I heard because I like I like Bear's music a lot and like I I fully didn't know what to expect when he was going to send this back to us. And so I was listening and I like that part hit and it was like, I was a fan of my own song when I heard that part for the first time. Cause I was like, Holy shit. He like, he dropped his own song in our song. That's so sick. So yeah, props to bear for, for being a creative whiz kid and, and having cool ideas. And then, but yeah, Demi came aboard. We were basically doing a bit of a reimagining of the song and the track and the production um, to, to cross it over this is pulling the curtain back a little bit, but to cross it over to pop radio. Um, yeah. So it had been it had been cruising at alt for 
a number of weeks and you know we were very very like just blown away by the success it was able to have at alt radio and basically it, at a certain point after a certain number of weeks at number one the conversation started happening about like okay maybe we should cross this to pop and see what happens you know at the time bear had had several tracks at pop and demi is obviously a a you know, very well-known and well-respected uh, pop artist in her own right. Course, and so yeah. um, this this thing just started coming together and we, we sort of reimagined a bit of the production just from a sort of like pop radio standpoint, which usually just means turn the guitars down um, <laughs> yeah, a little, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's <laughs> funny you should say that. I, I, I We used to do remixes even for our stuff. Like, like yeah. we, gotta, we gotta turn the guitar. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> Come We're, on. The guitars, the guitars are the song. I will say this: we we did start doing some dialing for the pop version, and like we we like softened the bass tone and we softened the guitars. What's interesting about this song is that there's really very few dirty guitars on the alt version or on the record version at all. Like most of the guitars are layers of like just slightly clean, slightly dirty guitars, but for some reason they feel a lot bigger than they actually sound when you solo them out. So it's kind of an interesting thing that some magic happened there with the production. You know, I really thought it was going to be a lot different when I A-beat them. Yeah. And it really, is, it really isn't. Um, you know, it's a, it's a little different, but uh, it, it still sounds like the same track yeah. to me, which is cool. Yeah. A lot of times remixes are completely out of left field. It doesn't sound anything like you like you did in the record. No, honestly, um, we got it was really cool. Like, we, we, we dialed it back, and then I almost, like, I had this moment in the studio where I was like, dude, we've completely neutered this song. Like, it's, there, there was a minute where we almost went too far with the dialing back of sounds and tones and a big part of it was the 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 bass in this song the dirty gritty sounding bass is such a backbone for this song and when you lose that grit it almost like it killed the vibe especially in the back half of those choruses yeah that exactly bass is just it just needs to hammer yeah. and so we we actually yeah. ended up walking it back to closer to where it was already um but obviously like we said the biggest the biggest thing and the biggest change for for this uh adventure into top 40 land was was bringing demi on board and it was such an incredible moment because like we were already just so mind blown by what this song had accomplished and we were so thankful that bear was down to come on and how special he made the song and it was almost like how do you even how do you think to go beyond that how do you think to even bring another person on or or yeah what's gonna what's gonna eclipse that exactly I mean, this is your this is the second biggest song in your career and the only reason it's not the biggest song is because it, it hasn't been out as long as your right. other stuff <laughs> Totally, yeah, and, totally. and, and this, and again, as I said, at the top of the show, not blowing smoke uh, up your backside. It's uh, th this far into your career to have this big of a song is a true accomplishment. Yeah, man, we we are so endlessly and unbelievably like humbled by this whole thing, and and really just stoked that that people still care, you know, to give us a shot. And so it's yeah. it's incredible here at Pop Radio now with Demi on it, and it's given the song even even more legs, and yep. it's it's still on the charts almost a year later. It's crazy. It's incredible. We're gonna wrap up here in in a moment. Just want to absolutely thank you for taking the time out to talk to me. It's been been a hot minute. Yeah, man, it has. I, I, I want to almost say the last time I saw you is when uh, I presented you a, an award. I was the host at the at the AP Awards in 2014 yeah. in Cleveland. I may have seen you since then, but uh, dude, but, if it's been that long, that's crazy. I feel like maybe we ran into each other. We had to, I, we had to have. yeah we, we yeah had there's been have. another moment but but it it's always too few and far between man yeah well well again um thank you so much and I at this point if you could give the listeners uh, a glimpse into what you've been up to either uh, solo with simple creatures with all time low plug away yeah um so last year it was really just all about finding ways to promote our album uh, wake up sunshine in this 
nightmare horror scape that we've all been living in 2020. Um, and that's been really cool. You know, we've, we've, for as hard and dark as it's all been at times, like we've, uh, we found really cool ways to connect with our fans virtually and, and do some rad things. We had a concert series that went really well and it was, it was a lot of fun. Now this year, I'm just kind of focusing on what we can control, which is the creative process and the writing. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm already writing for All Time Low again. Uh, Mark and I actually had a session the other day. We did it virtually, but we're starting to write for Simple Creatures again, which is really exciting. And uh, so we wrote the first song in probably over a year and a half uh, for Simple Creatures, which felt really good. And, and we're sort of like right back in stride, at, you know, with, with what we're doing there. And yeah, just kind of gearing up for what's to come. You know, I I think it's hard to say right now. It's really hard to measure where we go next because there's sort of like this slightly intangible timeline on, on when the world gets back to some kind of normalcy, but we're, we're just chomping at the bit to get back on the road. Uh, you know, as you know, we're, we're like, we live and die by tour and, you know, so we're, we're just looking forward to getting back to playing shows whenever that's safe and we're able to, but there will probably be some new music to go hand in hand with that as well. Awesome. Well, uh, keep the creative juices flowing. This is a good, good time to do it. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the same so I could totally relate and uh, oh, yeah. best, of, best of luck to you and the guys. And please, uh, please tell them I said, hello. Thanks, man. It was so good to catch up with you, dude. Thank you. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made Titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Paper Rifles from Edinburgh, Scotland. We've got John on vocals and guitar, Kevin on guitar and backing vocals, Kieran on the bass, and James on the drums. You can find their music on all streaming platforms. Here's a snippet of their song, Headstrong. The Rap with Chris and Chris. Well, that was an extra special episode because I believe that is our first episode where the song that you're discussing is still currently at the time of recording in the Billboard charts. Pretty amazing, right? Yeah, you you had mentioned that and I I started to think about it and uh, you're absolutely right. I really like that you guys got into the fact that All Time Low decided to push the boundaries a little bit and expand more into pop and not just rest on their pop punk laurels that all time low could have easily put out 10 more pop punk albums been completely fine always played big shows but i like the fact that they pushed past that and are trying new things to be honest with you chris as i was telling you before this i had heard that song probably 20 times on this radio station in pittsburgh called the x and never in my wildest dreams would i have guessed that that was all time low i thought it was you know some 
band that I didn't know the name of, some rock band that I didn't know. But when I found out it was them, I was like, whoa, that is not what I expected whatsoever. No, they. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's one of those calculated risks of, of changing your sound and everything you built on. Uh, and they, they've kind of done it flawlessly. I was surprised, too, when I went and uh, researched the track. I'm like, oh, I've heard this. I just did, as I said to Alex on the show, I said, this is just so different from you guys. I didn't recognize the, that it was you. And he, he kind of had a chuckle at it because this is definitely outside of their, uh, their wheelhouse, outside of the box. Absolutely. And I play in a band that always tries to do that too, whether it works or doesn't work, but it's always artistically satisfying to not just try to write what your last album sounded like. Always try new things. And I think that keeps it fun and inspiring for you as a songwriter when you do that sure and he was he was very forthcoming when talking about how you know when he first started co-writing with sam and dave how it was like wait a second th th these are my songs they come from within i don't want anybody influencing that and then when he opened his mind to it he realized that it actually made him a better songwriter because people will come at you at a different angle and they'll actually bring out things in the, you that you you never thought of before it's uh, uh if you can get your, your your mind wrapped around that i think it's uh it's very healthy for songwriters yeah and i could absolutely relate to what he was talking about there because i know that as a young person in the independent music scene the thought of co-writing seemed like so faux pas it was so, such a bad thing it was like a bad word but yeah. now it's like an obvious thing like yeah why wouldn't you co-write with people who are great songwriters because a you might write a great song and B, you might learn something that you use forever, which I hope a lot of people take away from this podcast, you know, but when you're, when you're writing with someone else, yeah, you're going to, you're going to learn things and you, can't think that you know it all if you think you know it all you most definitely do not well and i, I mentioned the episode you know fallout boys made a career out of it and uh, now all time low is when you align yourselves with other stars that are as big or bigger than you and they have separate you know black bears fan base isn't what demi lovato's fan base is isn't what all time lows fan base is and when they all come together look at the explosion that's happened it's uh, it's really interesting and i wanted to talk about black bear for a second too i was actually I don't know a lot of his music, but I do have this one song on a lot of playlists, like from the year it came out, I think 2017, called Do Re Mi. And I just thought it was this really cool, unique song. <laughs> and uh, and then when I saw he was on this song, that was the first time I, I had heard Black Bear since. You know, I, I don't think I had my ear to the Black Bear ground, <laughs> so to speak. But yeah, he fits perfectly on this song. You wouldn't know, if you just heard that song, you wouldn't know that he wasn't part of this band. And uh, that led me to want to talk about something else is the mix of rock and rap over time, which, you know, in my experience can either be a really amazing thing or it can be an absolute atrocity. Yep. And I think I think about the amazing things. And Chris, I, I want to get your opinion on some of these things. The first thing I can think of of mixing and I'm not talking about bands that did it both. I'm not talking about the Beastie Boys, but I'm talking about like where you had a rock band who's just a rock band and rappers who just rap. I think of Walk This Way, which I love Walk This Way. Sure. I think that's a that's a perfect example of a, a perfect joining of rock and rap. And then the thing that I loved as a kid, and Chris, I want to know if you like this too, was... The Anthrax and Public Enemy. Oh, well, Bring of course. <laughs> Dude, I still know every word to that song. And I still think that might be the best ever. And then, you know, I think that was on the Judgment Night soundtrack, I think, which was 
every song on the Judgment Night soundtrack was a mix of some rock or metal band with rap. With, with like a famous rapper. That's what the whole soundtrack was. Yeah. Um, of course, the Anthrax uh, Public Enemy collaboration was just was just classic. And you made a, a, a point a moment ago that I'd, I'd like to uh, talk about saying that, it you know, Black Bear's part just kind of felt like he was part of this song. And, and that, yeah. is, that is so true. It doesn't feel like, and, and I even talked about it in the episode with Alex, it doesn't feel like it was just stuck in here. Oh, here, here's the rap part. It feels like, no. like he's part of the band. And I think that's what else makes the track work. I really like, really, really like what Alex said about he had a friend say to him, a fellow songwriter, that said that the second verse in a song, think of that as the Wild West, like anything goes. And I really like that thought because, yeah, that's a chance to try something else <laughs> you know a lot of times you want to retain the melody but you you know you can go to some crazy places i know in punchline we we use that opportunity a lot in in the second verse of songs yeah and uh, in in this track monsters they they do exactly that in the second verse and uh, it worked it worked beautifully and the one last thing i wanted to touch on you guys talked about this towards the end of the episode is talking about moments in songs and i know we've talked about this in other episodes but a moment can be something as simple as you know in monsters it's a, a slight change in the melody where alex goes up i believe an octave towards the end of the song and, yeah. and changes the melody slightly and those moments just they stick out and they are memorable and they're fun to sing along to you know who the king of moments <laughs> it as far as like in songwriting and production was our first ever guest on Krista makes a podcast i think about john feldman so much when i think of moments and he did such a great job of that and i'm sure it's a uh, a combination of the band as well but i think about those moments on that first used album oh there's yeah. so many like every chorus there's something melodically slightly different about it that just keeps it interesting all the time that album sticks out in my mind so much as being like a perfect example of that yeah it's such it, it's such a great uh trick when utilized perfectly and, and utilized well uh, speaking of tricks, actually, I think it's really cool when dogs do tricks. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, once again, you've hit a home run with the segue, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute pro this guy is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this month's fundraiser is Biggie's Bullies. They are a foster home-based rescue founded in 2011 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Their mission is to rescue and rehome pit bull-type dogs in Pittsburgh and the surrounding areas. If you'd like to hear more about this, please head over to Chris to Makes a Difference dot com and give whatever you can this is a wonderful organization yeah i knew we wanted to help out dogs one of these months i love dogs you love dogs everybody loves dogs i knew my friend rishi from the band eternal boy i knew that he'd have a good suggestion of a good cause for dogs in the pittsburgh area which is the general area of where i'm from so yeah biggies bullies check them out at chris makes difference.com absolutely thanks rishi for uh, hooking us up with that we really appreciate it and uh at the top i think you heard about my valentine's day custom video greeting so it's getting close to the big day if you'd like a video greeting from me uh, a little personal shout out and a little acoustic song to you or that special someone hit me up at chris makes at gmail.com and if you'd like another fantastic gift chris tell them what they could be watching that night with their significant other 
Hey, a gift that keeps on giving and it's absolutely free is to go check out the Punchline Music Special on Amazon Prime. I mean, if you have Amazon Prime, I guess it's not necessarily free if you don't have that. But if you have it, like a lot of people do, then go check out the Punchline Music Special. Search for it on there. By the way, that's my band, Punchline, for anyone who doesn't know. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you probably know that by now. But if you don't, it's a good way to get to know us and our music and what we're all about. It's called the Punchline Music Special, and it's on Amazon Prime. Absolutely, and if you don't have Amazon Prime, you should get it for your significant other, and that way you'll both have it, and then you can definitely watch the Punchline Special. Yeah, we love promoting <laughs> Amazon. They need they need all the promotion they can get. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have enough money, right? No, they need more. <laughs> we would like you to join our Facebook group. Uh, the Chris Makes a Podcast Facebook group is awesome. It's a lot of fun. We got a bunch of members, and it's very interactive and cool. So please head over there and join us. It's free. I always say it's free. It because, is free. It's because free to join. It makes, yeah, everyone likes free stuff, so it's free. Go join yeah. us and hang out. Yeah, you come interact with us. If you enjoyed this episode with Alex or any of the episodes, come on in there. People all the time, I'm sure people are getting annoyed. They're always talking about the Derek from Sum 41 episode, They're the doctor versus dentist thing. I see people actually getting annoyed at that at this point. But yeah, people are over it. Yeah, there's lots of other things to talk about in that group as well. It's a lot of fun, and you can come talk with us. It's nice. Yes, and please uh, subscribe and, and and leave a review. We like reviews uh, on, on Apple Music, so please leave us a review. It helps us out a lot. It means a lot. And, yeah, this was another great episode. Thanks to Alex Gaskarth. It was awesome, and we will see you next week. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalist. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast.